today's guest that we have with us is former Derbyshire and Warwickshire player and legend, current Hampshire bowling coach, uh, current Southern Brave. Is that the is that the hundred team? That's the one, Chris. Pop. Graham Welch, thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure. Anything to you've, help um, you? Oh, well, you've, you've probably done enough, I think, at this point uh, for us to help us in our careers. But your your achievements are, are pretty numerous. I think as a player, you won the county championship, didn't you, in 1994, 1995 with Warwickshire? Uh, um, I, I, I got a medal for 95, but that's quite an interesting story, really. Had a good year in 94. Um, I think I played about 11 games. In the second year, in 1995, uh, I got rested after the first game of the season um, and probably didn't play. <clears throat> played about two or three games that year. So I, I got a medal, but you know what I mean? It's, I didn't really feel like... You, you had Brian Lara as well, didn't you, in, the, in those in those two yeah. years? So we, we could arguably, you know, say you probably cheated Warwickshire at that point. Um, no, I was Lara in 94, but AD in 95. So not too bad overseas players. <laughs> Decent replacement, um, yeah. and then as a as a coach, your your achievements are, are vast. We've got Lords final winners in two thousand eight, two thousand ten, county was championship. With was that with you in Essex, Chris? It was, it was, and then with Keith in two thousand ten at Warwickshire, yeah. Um, yeah. county championship in two thousand twelve. Yeah, two thousand very good year. Great year, two thousand fourteen T20. And then, no, I wasn't there then, Chris. I wasn't there. Were you not? No, in 2014, I went to Derby. So I was a elite performance director at Derby, Christopher. Nice. You make your own make your own title there, haven't you? Clearly. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't there. Yeah, they, they made that for me. I was a bit embarrassed, actually. Because <laughs> I never classed um, the league. And uh, well, your latest ones, 2021, you, you won both the 100 and the county championship again. Is that right? Yeah, uh, with Warwickshire. Um, you know, and that was the year when you only played five, six games, and then you went into a, a playoffs. You took the points through. So we won that in Warwickshire in, what, what was that, 21, did you say? Yeah, I believe so. Well, to be honest, I think you, you messaged through, didn't you, just because we asked for what your achievements were. You put 2021 down. So I think it is, yeah. 20, yeah, it would have been 2021, COVID, that COVID yeah. period. And then um, that, that year, I was luckily enough to be part of the Southern Brave where we won the inaugural. First one, so that was quite um, enjoyable. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, are you happy to answer some quick fire questions to start off with, Keith? Oh yes, okay, go on. Then. Right, Graham. Um, extra five mile over pace or an extra six inches of bounce? Oh, bounce without, without doubt. Bounce get good players out, Keith. You know that. You and Chris both know that. Back of the hand, slowly or knuckleball? I love the back of the hand, really. I love the back of the hand, but the more slow balls you can have, the better. But the back of the hand's the one I I enjoy seeing. Swing or nip? Obviously swing. The finer art of the game. Bald or caught behind? Ooh. Um, I love the caught behind. I love the batsman playing a defensive shot and he just has a little tickle and goes either the first or second slip. Good bouncer or good joker? I wish I could have bowled either, but um, probably <laughs> uh, the bouncer. So, <laughs> bounce, I'm pretty happy to hear bounce from you. Um, back of the slowy, do you ever are you try reviewing and... my, Are you reviewing my question? Yeah, I am. Knuckle, you went uh, back of the slowy over knuckleball. 
which yeah. did you ever try knuckleball or was it not around when you played? Nothing much was around when I played. It was an off cutter, a leg cutter, and a good length, really, and the odd bouncer. Swing or nip, you've gone swing. Obvious reasons. I think me and Wrighty would probably agree to a certain point um, with this answer that you've had. Is we think that every bowler should learn to swing the ball, get the wrist in a good position. So I think that's a good answer, but I me prefer I prefer I prefer a bit of nip nowadays. But you didn't when you were younger, Keith. You didn't when you were um, younger. But it's good to be able to do both. Um you you love a little tickle to slip, do you? Oh, it's nice, yeah. Don't you agree? The batsman just playing a normal defensive shot and you've just outwitted them with your skill. And you say did you say bouncer, good bouncer? Yeah. What just we've uh, just had a discussion on bouncers. Um where would you see your bounce if you the perfect bouncer to you, what how's it going towards a batsman? Well it's nipping back really. It's nipping back to hit them in the left lug if they're a right handed <laughs> batsman. <laughs> Were you I not think I only bounced one person out in my life? I think I only bounced one person out in my life, and that was um, a derby, Gareth Batty. And I had to Okay. I laughed because Mike Hendrick used to say, Pop, you've got to bowl bounces. I'm like, Hendo, I can't. I'm not quick enough. And then Gareth Batty came in, I bowled a bouncer, and he, he top edged it straight to backward square. But, um, and I remember just bursting out laughing. Somebody got <laughs> out to a bouncer from me. <laughs> and I think we played, uh, when we played the T20 finals, they had a good conversation with Bats. And I think I reminded of him. He couldn't remember, but never mind. Um, I, I've got a bit of a theory, actually. The more you're about line and length and movement, the more important a good bumper is. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. for someone like yourself who had all those skills, a good bumper is going to buy you that little bit of length that, you know what I mean, gets you areas right, and stuff. I agree. But that's what I was saying for when I first, when I first was growing up and um, learning to bowl. I remember Neil Averley telling me stories about Tom Cartwright who would bowl a half volley in April and he'd never bowl another one. Yeah, it's it's my belief actually that the more you're about line and length and uh, and movement in general, the the more important almost your bumper is because you've got to buy yourself that little bit of length that's going to make batters make errors on the front foot. I don't know what you you think about that, both of you. Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. It was just when I was being brought up, Neil Abbey would tell me stories about Tom Cartwright who would bowl a half volley in April and then he would never bowl another one in um, for the rest of the season. How he would actually, and I think this, I think he was just telling us a few porkers here, to be honest. He said if he bowled a good spell, he'd be what he'd be, he'd be, there'd be a hole in the ground like that where he just wouldn't miss. And I've never seen that in my life, so I think he was just actually, he was just, I hate all those stories, I hate them, don't yeah. you? Like where coaches say stuff like, oh, I used to, he used to earn a living by bowling at pound coins on the, on the local park, and you're like, no, he, no, he didn't because he'd have no money, no money at all. Uh, Shouldn't believe this, Chris, but never mind. So, Pop, obviously you've you've been around quite a bit um, as a player and as a coach. You've you've got quite a lot of achievements, as we've just heard. Um, What specifically do you look for in a bowler that kind of ticks some boxes for you? I think I've had a I've had a long think about this over me over my career, Keith, and I suppose the the categories are. Pace. You've got to be looking for pace. If anybody's got pace, you're, you're, you're laughing, yeah? 
obviously we discussed bounce, bounce get good players out. Then he took in the mix skill. Bowlers have got to go have a big heart as well. You know, they've got to keep coming back after bowling 20 overs um, the day before. They've got to get up, they've got to refuel, and they've got to go again. So your heart. And it's obviously bowling intelligence. You've got to take a lot of things into, into consideration, boundary size, pitches, batter strengths, using the you know what I mean? There's a lot of things. So all them things, I always say to coaches, if you find those five things in a young individual, pack in coaching and become an agent, basically. Hmm. Okay, who, who's the closest to having all of those things that you've ever come across? Ooh. Um, well, you two aren't too bad, to be honest. You, you fellas, you—I um, put you in, you in that category. Maybe Keith um, lacking in the heart department. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I've got pace. I'll take pace over like a heart. Amazing. That's that's what we want in the podcast. We want that kind of banter flying around. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, obviously, Walksy. Walksy's up there. with one of the best. Um, so I think the people the, who, who I'm working with at this, this moment in time, especially um, Kyle Abbott and um, Keith Barker and Mohammed Abbas, they've got all of those things. Obviously, they're coming, I wouldn't say they're coming to the end of their career, they're just getting a little bit long on the tooth, so the pace is probably down. But they tick every single one of them box, and I think that's part of why we've been very successful. We squeeze the life out of teams. The, the cricket, the ball intelligence is out, out, of this, out of this world. I love the way Keith comes around the wicket, straightens it up with his wobble. Maul use the crease. Kyle just hammer a length, nipping it back, blowing the shin off. Um, so I'd say, yeah, who else is there? Um, there's been quite a few, to be honest, but I'll give you lads some respect. You two are up there. Just to clarify, um, from, sorry, from what you said just a, a moment ago, obviously you said about pace. Um, are you saying that pace is the be-all and end-all, and if you haven't got it, then unlucky? Or is that just, if you've got pace, that is a nice added element to being a very good bowler if you've got the other things in order? I, I think with these um, these five things that I've said there, there are always going to be discrepancies on where, because nobody is that good. I suppose Pat Cummins is up there at this moment in time, you know what I mean? Josh Hazelwood, uh, Mitchell Stark, the best bowlers in the world have got these things. Um, but I think, obviously, the more you have, the higher the higher they are. Um, the more you have, the more successful you, you will be. I'm kind of just saying that you said about me coming around the wicket. Remember, there's quite a long time. Well, to be fair, it's probably been for a while up until recently. You weren't a fan of me coming around the wicket, was it? Um, are you talking about the wobble seam? Yeah. The wobble seam. Well, I've got yeah. theories on the wobble seam, as you know. As you know. Yeah. I think... Um, I'd always start by, if we're coaching a bowler, is actually get them to stand the seam up so they can feel the ball coming out the right place in the, in the hand. Um, wobble seam is, is it a bit of a gamble if you don't know what you're doing or is it just an excuse? You hold the, you hold the seam and you hope something happens. Well, you're lacking a little bit of skill in my eyes from that, you know what I mean? Um, and you coming around the wicket, obviously you, you've learned to wobble it. And the angles around the wicket, holding it up to right hand, as you can beat from both sides, Keith. That's why, that's why I've probably had to. What's how can I put this? Rethink my philosophy on it. 
Yeah, I think you're right in, in that, you know, some people can have a poor wrist and just say, yeah, apple wobble scene when actually they don't. Um, they actually need to get their stuff together on that. Um, but yeah, yeah we, had a bit of a, we had a bit of a practice yesterday. Keith was coaching me yesterday, Chris. Oh, right. Do the wobble scene. Came um, out really well. Sometimes it did, but sometimes it didn't. Because all my life, the ball was just put in my hand. So if you put a brand new ball in my hand, I just hold it the same every time. So obviously for the in-swinger, we're trying to mess around with the same position to see if I could just stay behind the ball a little bit more. And as soon as I put it in a position for an in-swinger, my wrist just broke and I bowled an in-swinger. So I'd have to, do you know, do you know what I mean? It's obviously, it's, yeah. a, it's an art learning how to bowl the wobble scene. Um, but like I say, I think there's a lot of people these days just use it as an excuse just because they can't stand the same up. I, I can, I'm, I'm so glad that you have that viewpoint. I, I completely agree. I think it's dangerous to sell a young bowler just on bowling a wobble scene because invariably the bowlers you see that bowl it really well, they all have something else behind it. So if you look at Keith, Keith can swing it back in from over. He can go around and bowl wobble scene, yeah. but actually Keith has more control of it than a lot of people I've ever spoken to about it in terms of knowing which way it might nip. Also, you get your metronomic in your accuracy and you get bounce. Um, someone use another example, Kyle Abbott. Well, he's a huge presence. He's quick. He's fast, yeah. and he he holds his length. So yeah. if it doesn't if it doesn't nip, it's still good. Bassey again, metronomic. He's kind of skiddy. He gets the ball doing all sorts of funky stuff. He's not sort of exclusively just trying to sort of wobble it down there. There's always something else. Yeah. Um, so I think if you're like a, a young aspiring bowler and you're sort of six foot. And you're sort of hovering around the 80 mile pace. Probably going to need a bit more, I think, than just hoping for one in three balls to knit back. Do you know what I mean? I totally agree. Totally agree. And the thing you go back to Kyle Abbott, I'd, it's a pleasure working with Kyle, you know, and and oh, the three big lads, Keith, Keith, Kyle, and um, and Bassey. Um, it's like I say, they just hold length all day, build pressure. Um, and there's, but the ball's always doing something. But they know what they're doing. They've earned that right. You know what I mean? That's how I see it. Mm. Uh, um, sorry. Okay. Okay. Now you go, you go. At Warwickshire, um, and I've been in obviously different sports, different environments, but at Warwickshire, you managed to build a unit which I don't think many teams or enough teams probably have around the circuit. You managed to build a bowling unit within a team that, really got on well and you know we all were wanting the best for each other even though we were competing for for, for spots how did you create that what what did things did you put in place so did just you feel as though it happened naturally on its own no this is why um i've had to look at it when i've moved everywhere um what what i'm actually what i do you know what i mean so i've, I've analyzed this quite a lot and it's about shared experience it's first of all getting to know the individual so building a relationship with that individual before you get anywhere near the team. And then what you've got to try and do is you've got to share the experiences, share the adversity. Um, if, you're, if you remember correctly, and I think I've done this everywhere, I went when I was at Essex, Chris, you'll know, the, uh, the orange tree around the corner, we used to have reviews in the, I shouldn't be saying this, but we used to have reviews in the pub, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Occasionally. When it came to Warwickshire, where did we have the reviews? We used to, I know, because when your lads looked a bit tired or from a session from sessions or something, I would say, 
Well, I what, you know what I'll say to Ash is, we're just going to have a bowlers meeting. I'm going to take it offside, and we'll yeah. go to the quarter house. You know, is it the quarter house or the quarter? Yeah, quarter, quarter yeah. house. Yeah. So yeah. we'd go there, and we'd all sit round. Um, I'd buy everybody breakfast. I think that was one of the main things because there was a lot of tight lads around. You know what I mean? Loving the money. So I, I don't do remember you buying me a breakfast. <laughs> when when <laughs> was this? Yeah, avocado on toast and all of that. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, you may have bought a couple of coffees, to be fair. So I, so I bought some breakfast. And, but the thing it was, though, I tried to just bring everybody together all the time. I tried to stimulate conversations, tried to put plans together. If you remember rightly, the shared experiences when we, when we were playing one-day cricket was that... Uh, I know you take credit for this, um, Chris, but, you know, when we put that, the bowling um, batsman things together, whether the 360, whether the deflectors, can you remember us, we were, walking, we were going to Barbados, I think, and on the plane on the way over there, we had everybody around discussing that. So everybody's buying into it. And then it's just down to you policing your values, your principles and your expectations, really, um, and staying on that. But... The, the, the beauty with that, that you were good lads, you know what I mean? It was funny, it was enjoyable, it was, um, we'd have massive arguments sometimes, but it was all everybody moving together in the right, uh, in, everybody moving together towards the right goal. Can I, can I ask a question here, Keith? Because I'm interested there, Pop, you said about good lads. Um, what, what is it that you're actually looking for? Do you have like a criteria? this and actually earlier you mentioned about heart as well being an attribute you look for in a bowler yeah how can you how do you know these things when you're putting together a unit or whether you're coaching like what are you doing or looking for well it's how they live their life it's their behaviors it's their languages it's their, their language it's their how they um interact with the other lads it's whether they, they want the lads to do well you know all these things and like i said with, with warwickshire it wasn't all a bed of roses a lot of the time, but everybody wanted each other to do well. You know what I mean? Keith, for instance, running on the pitch so Jeeves could get wickets, you know, bowling the hard overs from certain ends. Well, Ricky didn't want to do that. You know what I mean? Ricky liked the, the wind and everything, but Ricky, Ricky looked after the lads. Um, and then you can't forget someone like Darren Maddy who, who, who complimented that attack as well. So, if you can, you not remember though. It was a, it wasn't batters versus bowlers, but there was an underlying thing of batters versus bowlers at the end of the day. But it was healthy. It was a healthy situation. Yeah, I've just uh, for any umpires that may listen, I don't run on the wicket now. I don't. Yeah, you run near the wicket, Keith. Just if you're watching, I don't do that now. Um, to be fair, you're around the wicket all the time, so you. Can, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, people look at Dawson. Oh, he's doing it for Dawson. Um, yeah. Um, I agree with you though, Pop. I think you're spot on. Um, I think we, yeah, you we actually all... agreeing with me again. That's twice you've agreed with me this, this morning. What's happened? Oh, we're on a pod, so I'm trying to make you look good. Oh, right? Right, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just find it interesting with that because you know, I've seen a shift at Hampshire as well. I mean, lads are a bit more together than probably what they were before and what they have in the past. Um, so it's just interesting to see how you go about your coaching and making... Well, what do you see? What do you think, Keith? What do you see that I've done? I've been here two, well, two years. Well, that, even, even if I go back from to Warwickshire days, even when we used to have analysis, I remember you getting in a 
young Lammy and Aaron, who were only 16, 17, who were never going to play at that point, but having them in, in our analysis chats, just to get a feel of what it's actually like, what we talk about, what to look for, what what if it's really serious, is it a bit more relaxed and kind of exposing them a little bit more to that environment because they were people that you looked at as had great potential. So you're actually introducing them into the environment early to get a feel for it rather than it be a shock to the system when they were to carry on and get to the level. And I think it's the small details of that which really does help because we, you know, as senior players, we can help bring those players through, get a bit of an understanding with them. Um, and I think it's small details like that that a lot of coaches, whether it's batting or bowling, don't pick up on. I remember yourself being criticised from another coach, I'm not going to say the coach's name, of they were saying that, you know, once they leave the ground, their phone's off. They're not um, accepting calls from any player where you were totally different. That You're not just there as a coach, you're there as a, someone who's had a mo- lot more experience in life or whatever. You were there for players when, whenever they needed you. Um, and I think that helped build a relationship and trust with the player for you to get more out of them and them to trust you more in what you believe. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's like what I said before. It's about the first thing is, is about building relationships, understanding each other, understanding what makes them tick, understand how they think, how they learn, all those things you chuck into the mix. You know what I mean? Um, it's interesting you said Lammy. Oh, he was a bowler at that. He was a was bowler at that. He was, yeah. Yeah, before he, yeah then. along with Adam, with that action, no. would um, I went back to work, so we tried to make him into a leg spinner. And that was actually better because the poor lad would have snapped by the time he was 21. But just when you say that, you know, when we went to Warwickshire, um, I tried, you know, when you lads left and we had Liam Norwell, um, Craig Miles, and they come in, I tried to think outside the box for that and try and challenge them and put them under a little bit of pressure. And we had a bit of a book club where we'd read, is it Leif Babin? And who's his, you know, the. Um, uh, the SES man, where we'd just sit down for an hour and discuss that. Also, when I was at Derby trying to get the, the team together, we did a dance routine. Everybody's taken massively out of their comfort zones. You know, something that we just shared together. Even though the lads hated every minute of it, we danced to James Brown, um, the boss. You know, so it's all those little things. And going back to being building relationships, going on your journey, I think this day and age, it's it's changed a little bit because I see I see players moving around different coaches, which I don't think that's good practice at the end of the day. You know what I mean? You've got to, you've, like I said, you've got to be on their journey with them. You've got to be going through the good and the bad times with them knowing that you've got the back. You mentioned something a little bit earlier about good lads. And we've probably heard it before by different coaches when they say, oh, that person's a good lad. And... Can you, just for the listeners, define the difference of what you see as a good lad? Because I know what some other coaches see as what is a good lad. But then, you know, the way that person interacts or trains or plays is not in the same viewing of my my view or your view as a good lad. Can you define what yours as a, as a good lad is? Well, I try to anchor myself against my philosophy, Keith. Yeah. And my, this is how I try to live my life. It's by learning always learning and continuous learning it's working hard you two know i like having fun and i like enjoying myself i know there's a, there's a time and a place for that 
But then it's just being a good bloke and anchoring yourself against your values, being humble, working together, you know what I mean? Doing that extra yard for your mates, um, going out your way to help your mates, um, putting the hard yards in. Those are the values that I look for. That's, that's what makes a good lad to me. Just a decent human being at the end of the day. Take cricket away from it, you know what I mean? Normal things like opening doors for people and just being polite, saying morning to people when they walk, when you're people on the gate, for instance, you know what I mean? Getting to know them. And this is why, I know, this is why um, one of our head coach, A.D. Birrell, he's spot on at that key. Yeah. He's spot on at that, trying to make people just be good, decent human beings. Um, and the more I've been coaching, that's, that's the more what I look like. Yeah. The old saying is, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. If they're on their own heads, if they're that far up their own, you know what I mean? It's, it's, difficult, to get, it's difficult to get messages messages across to those people. I mean that that yeah that's awesome and it, this this podcast it was always me interesting as to what direction it would go um so it's got quite philosophical here which is which is quite nice um in terms well, we are, of we are quite philosophical though you know what i mean this is why we're all we're all virtually not the same people but we all think the same way we've all got those values and principles that we stick to no i agree i agree I remember you getting upset right for the smallest things, you know what I mean? I remember it really affecting you. So that those things that got to learn, like, right, he's quite sensitive. We can't talk about his skinny legs or his terrible shorts, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was going to say there, in a serious way, I was like, you can share them if you want, because um, it'd be interesting to know if there's any specific things you remember um, about... where I'd, I'd get upset. <laughs> um. Well, first of all, me trying to help you with an alternative delivery, that was like pulling teeth. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I fully agree. It would take me three years to get an idea in my to let it churn through. And ultimately, probably it probably held me back a bit, but equally a bit of stubbornness and a bit of simplicity probably helped yep. me too. So it's that balance, isn't it? Um, yep. I You'd say about philosophy. So if I could, you'd say good lad. That, that's a good a good term i think i'd want a bowler who was heart how you measure that i have no idea but i'd literally heart number one because i think you can actually be i think you can be quite average as a bowler but if you've got a big heart you can do pretty well um and team first would be number two someone who yep. can will do whatever whatever you want from them and then i'd start looking at all the all the other stuff um well, you mentioned that you mentioned heart there, Chris, okay? And I, I don't think this is one of my bugbears at this moment in time with, with bowlers. I've had sessions over the last five, six, seven years where bowlers have come in, they bowl four overs and then walk out and say, I'm sorry, I can't bowl anymore. I've, um, my workloads are a bit too high. Now, I want a bowler that's going to go, probably the physicist said I can't, but I'll, I want to I want to practice another couple of overs here. You know what I mean? That would send messages to me straight away. You know, there's people come into the gym, come in after the session from the gym where they've tried to run up and they've bounded and they've collapsed on the floor because they've been in the gym for the last three hours. You know what I mean? All these, if, you, if you're aware, if you're self-aware and you're observant, there's a lot of messages that you can pick up from people. Language, attitudes, body language, you know what I mean? You can see it. Even um, things like people forget, forget a jumper. 
they'll take it back in. I will see that. They'll take it back in for the teammates. I will see that, you know what I mean? And that's probably another little tick. He's not thinking himself. He's not in his own head. He's thinking about the team. He's thinking about his teammates. Are there any qualities that the best players you've worked with have all had? Is there is there one thing that they all have without fail? They're driven. Okay. They can be quite stubborn. They are... <laughs> um, they work tirelessly. They work hard. They're always looking to try and get better. They're looking at avenues. They're trying to source information. Um, and then the practice at game intensity. That's what I see. Those are the bowlers that I, I'd say that, that that's the reason why they're the best. Obviously, with the attributes we spoke about earlier on, um, but you throw all that in the mix, they're, that's why they're the most successful. But we've got an inner steel and inner desire to, um, to just get better, to just get better. Not about moving to the next level. It's just about getting better. You know, you mentioned about that sort of batters bowler, batters be bowlers kind of thing. Provided it's managed properly um, within a team, I think that definitely helps the training aspect that you were talking about there. Yeah. Because um, ultimately, there's no escaping the fact that you're in a, a one-on-one battle every time you're batting or bowling. Um, yeah. And the more you can practice being in that in that state, is going to help you, I think, on game day. But again, provided it's not... Sort of, as, uh, as long as it's healthy, as long as it's healthy. That's why cricket's such a difficult game because it's individual. It's individuals playing a team sport. So I reckon it's the the art of it. If you can bring people together uh, in a common goal, that's 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 the winner for me. You know, obviously you've got to have good players as well. And I think that I think that helps us a lot, especially at Warwickshire. Looking at what we did, um, and going back to what you mentioned earlier about good lads and how you you see them and the way that they go about stuff. One thing I think was really good is we were able to be honest and we did have clashes within it between us as a bowling unit on ideas or it could be right trying to something new. Right spraying me once for, I forgot what it was. I remember saying something, thinking, Jesus, wasn't expecting that response. Um, yeah. And, but we were able to put it to one side and you know, I, he was a bit irritated by that, but he knows it's coming from a good place. I can understand that he's reacted that way and he's not meaning to do whatever it was that was mentioned, but our goal was to still try and be better and improve. Um, yeah. I think that's what really helped the group develop yeah. to the way it was. Um, I had a question for you um, because me and Wright spoke about this the other week and I mentioned it to you and you were a bit unsure. Um, me and Wright were talking about, he was saying, you know, if it's a left-handed batter, and you need someone to go away from the batsman, don't bowl me, bowl X person, because that's okay. what they do. Yeah. And my, I disagreed a little bit because of the age right he's at and how much he's played. And for myself, I'd do the same. Is I would think that by that point, you've developed yourself enough to be able to do that skill rather than needing one specific person. So when we were at Warwickshire, we had me who could swing it back to a right-hander. Right, he was going to swing it away with pace. Right, it, Ricky Clark was going to come in, go at twos, use the other bouncer. Boy was going to go for runs, but take wickets. Wilksy was Wilksy and we had Gs. Every yeah. role was covered. But was that because we were at that stage in our careers? And 
if we were that bowling unit now, obviously maybe not as old, but still more experienced, would we have still had those roles or would we have been able to just bowl whoever we wanted at any time almost? Well, every bowler's got their super strength, you know what I mean? It's like it comes back to those five things. Pierce, skill, bounce, heart. Every bowler has their super strength. But then I think in an ideal world, you'd love every bowler to have the skill to be able to bowl at every batsman. But in a team environment, there's sometimes people are better than that at you, you know what I mean? So there's no right or wrong answer, I see, with that. The, the best thing is if you've got a very variety in your attack that you were able to change tempos and different tactics at different times. But that still doesn't mean that that baller must bowl at that batsman. You know what I mean? It's a, There's no right or wrong with it. The more variety in your attack, like you said, we had left arm, a right arm, an off spinner, tall, burn, tall, tall baller, pierce, and someone that just like sat in. You chuck that in the mix, that should be good enough to get a ball any team out on any surface. You know, that's how I see it. And whether we stumbled across that, I don't really know, but um, it worked. It, it, it actually worked. Whereas I think here at Hampshire, what we've got is we've obviously got you as a left arm, you can come around, but uh, Kyle and Moore are very similar. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. How they work. And then what we're looking to, we had a James Fuller, who's got a bit of pierce, a John Turner, who's got a bit of pierce, and a Brad Wheel, who's got a bit of pierce. So that's complementing the attack. Then obviously Liam Dawson, and then yeah, Tom Preston, Felix Organ. So we are covered on most pitches. That's that's why I think we're quite we're successful as well. I hope I've answered. Did I answer that? Yeah, no, I think, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you, you, you did. Um, you answered it perfectly well. It, What's it's something talking about, lads? I've never had these. Well, you've always spoken, you've always spoken well, Pop. You are, um, so yeah, go on, go on. All right. We, we've had a lot of compliments then. Let's, 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 let's go back in time and I won't give you a compliment. Can you, <laughs> can you remember when we first met? Yes, Chris, I can, yes. Was I'll try and give them. Uh, well, that while I just moved from Middlesex, basically looking to progress my career and stuff. And Middlesex, they didn't have a a bowling coach, um, and I wanted to play more. So, <coughs> lots, of, lots of enthusiasm. The university is the one, um, and they they brought you in as bowling coach, and yeah. I was like, okay, okay, this I don't I don't know much about Graham Welch, but obviously he's a good bowler, good record. And I think you just had you snapped your Achilles. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Chris. <laughs> so you literally, you literally look like a hobo that had been dragged off the street. Yeah. And yeah, you st you stood at the back of the net. <laughs> I'll tell you the story with that. I'd obviously had my second operation for a, a shredded Achilles. Um, I remember playing football with Ethan this Saturday before we were go, and I felt a, something snap again. So I remember traveling to Essex, and who was the physio? Who was the physio? Can you remember the physio? Oh, was it a guy called Mark Roberts at that point? It was Mark. So I showed him my, I showed him my, um, my leg, and the horror in his face—you couldn't believe. Two holes had opened up at the back of my leg, yeah. And he said, "Do not say anything. All right, just get on the plane." 
So I got on the plane, and obviously with altitude and everything, my leg blew up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk one foot in front of the other. So I had to try and like dislocate my hip to drag my leg along. So the first day of training, where right, I've seen right, I'm walking with a bag of balls, dragging my leg along, looking like a, <laughs> an absolute. Um, it wasn't a good look, know. was it? Well, you certainly look smarter now. You've aged really well. Um, yeah, like back then, I was like, I can't believe this is my new Jesus bowling coach. God. I've moved counties for this for this guy, and it was you. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, obviously, it turned out really well because you, you know you you're a fantastic coach. And thanks. No, but what I what I like about you is how you you coach everyone very differently. So I don't know if we've talked about this already on the podcast, but my sessions and Keith's sessions are completely different. Probably, com yeah, complete opposite ends of the of the spectrum. You both, that... require, you both require different things. This is the thing. If you're planning and if you're aware and you and you review and you observe all those things in sessions and you remember what you spoke about, it, it, is, it isn't one size that fits all. It's everyone's individual and everybody needs something different. So it's just being diligent with your, your preparation and your reviewing, really. Do you, do you believe in like a technical model that has to be followed at all? Uh, it's the same principles. What I work on is alignment. If you want to get the ball down in a straight line, your body has to be going in that movement. You know what I mean? It has to be going towards the target. Next thing is energy in the ball. This is where at Essex again, I think we had a baseball pitcher came in, didn't he? And he gave me an idea. Uh, this was the time when Brett Lee was the rage. These rave, you know what I mean, where you lock the ball and then you ball over your front leg. And I remember the ECB, everybody, that was the model that everybody had to ball by. Because Brett Lee ball quick, everybody had to ball like that. And I didn't, I didn't, uh, I disagreed with that, actually. So the energy in the ball contradicted what that was saying. But the energy in the ball, because they're saying when you're a baseball pitcher, you've got to keep the ball moving to keep energy in it. I couldn't, I said, well, we're balling the ball, we're projecting the ball down there, so... We've got to keep energy in it. It's efficiency. Everything working together. And that's what rhythm is. You know, sometimes you'll ball balls and you think, I have felt no stress, no power, no nothing. And that ball's flown through the keeper. That's the timing. And that's the efficiency. And then it comes back to how strong and stable you are to crease. So that, that's my little bit of a checklist. I try and keep it very simple, as you both know. Oh, I did a Dennis Lilly bowling a camp actually. I'm sure you knew that. Um, you know when he, when that was all the rage in Chennai. Did I go on? Yeah. No, I was at Middlesex at the time because they didn't have a bowling coach, so they sent the young bowlers to Chennai to work with Dennis Lilly, which was in isolation was awesome. It was a great yeah. experience, but you know at one point we we're just all around a table, and essentially we were whatever our action was, we were just all being referred back to the Brett Lee yeah. sort of model. Yeah. And, you know, you're sitting there thinking, so, for example, on that trip, Tony Palladino was on it, Richard Jones was on it, James Anion was on it, Tim Gronowald was on it, yeah. um, and myself. So we're all completely different. Yeah, we're all being yeah. told to do the whole lock-in thing and, you know, run in at the same angle. Yeah, and you know when you're like, it can't be right, yeah. surely. Mm -hmm. um, people individual, people individual. And this is what I always say to ballers. Um, two people talk about changing actions. And... I think if somebody come, if a if a coach came in and says we're looking to change your action, I'd be on the back foot straight away. You know what I mean? 
So my, my, what I try to say is, um, all I do, I don't change action. I just try and clean them up to make them more efficient. I love that term. That's, that's it's a like, really like, good way of saying it. It's like your car. If you have your car serviced, how nice is it when you've just had your car serviced with new tyres, it runs beautifully, it turns corners, it's efficient. That's the analogy I would use to it, you know what I mean? If everything's working together and your timings are all right, and the pace you run in is optimal, and you hit the deck and you're strong and you're stable, that's the, um, it's actually quite very, very simple. And you don't lose your uniqueness. Well, on that pop, there's been, for me, I've mentioned, I've learned a lot from you, just from you coaching me, and I was having quite a lot of conversations. I'm someone who's massively on technique. There's a lot, and it frustrates me, I hear a lot of coaches just talking about, oh yeah, brace front, oh, he hasn't got a brace front leg, but we're going to try and get them to have a brace front leg. There's a massive, and I know you've been someone on the whole safety side of the action as well, there's a massive um, push for pace, brace front legs, but if people aren't naturally braced with their front leg, let's say they collapse quite a lot, is it not a dangerous thing to do to then try and change a bowler to just brace their front leg? Um, well, yeah, it, it could be. If you were totally changing what they do, um, I, that could be dangerous. And the thing about a brace front leg, I've, obviously I've, I've watched a lot of bowlers over my life, and everybody's different. Some people, in, the, in an ideal world, if you've got a brace front leg, that's, that's perfect. But if you're going to do, even the thought of that freaks me out. The thought of my knee going through me, me neck, you know what I mean? If that's not the position you get in. Um, yeah, it's, some coaches do that, some co but it comes back to what does the individual need to improve? That's all mm -hmm. that is. So if the individual doesn't need a brace front leg, I'm sure there's more think there's better and quicker wins somewhere else in the action that will help them improve. I remember doing a drill once. This wasn't with you actually, but it was trying to be a bit more braced. Um, was almost instead of thinking about bracing your leg, although that's the outcome you're looking for, it was about keeping your keeping your belly button almost parallel to the floor. Okay. So your gut your guts going forward, and that actually helped a little bit. And you don't feel yeah, you don't feel like you're just using your leg as a complete break, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's more... I'd, I'd always look at whether it's a heel strike or not. If it's a heel strike, they've probably got potential to be a breast front leg. But if the heel strike isn't there and you were landing, then I can't see how you can teach somebody to do that. Do you, do you prefer do coaching, Pop? Do you prefer coaching to playing? Alrighty, I, I forgot what it was. Playing, you know what I mean? It's been really? that long. Yeah, it's nearly nearly 15, 16 years, you know what I mean? But what I love is I love, like I say, going on people's journeys, seeing them progress, seeing them getting better. Um yeah, that's that's what I'm in for it. Not just cricket, anything, you know what I mean? I'll try and help anybody. I've coached people at the top end, and last week I was coaching Giles White's daughter, you know what I mean? Everybody gets the same from me. Because I enjoy watching them getting better. I watching them with a smile on their face. Seeing them when you teach them something, they turn around and have a look and go like, that's, that's unbelievable. That's, that's the kick I get out of it. Seeing is individuals there, better. Is there any bowlers you've found pretty much uncoachable or just very difficult to coach? 
And if so, what is it that has stopped you being able to get your message across to them? Well, first of all, I've got to look at what I'm doing, whether I've built that relationship, whether I have gained that trust. That's my first port of call with every other player. Like I said, I've got to analyse myself. I've got to look to what I'm doing because you can't just coach people that uh, you, you get on with or have that mindset that they want to get better. Being a coach is you're able to coach everybody. There's one person I wanted to speak to about, Pop, um, which was John Turner, the young fastballer at Hampshire. What are your thoughts on him and how he's developed since you've been here? Um, well, Jetty was always a specimen, wasn't he? he was, even as a young lad, he was all he was strong. He's got all those things. He's got all everything that I've mentioned earlier on. You know what I mean? He's, he had pace. He had a certain amount of pace. He gets it to bounce. His skills are a little bit off at the moment because he's obviously he's a young lad, but he's got a massive heart and he gets stuck in. Do you know what I mean? You, you see the red mist in his eyes. Technically, he was a little bit short. He was loading up across his body and it coming back to my clear paths efficiency. So all we did was change his load up to try and make it come in a straighter line. Um, and I'm not saying that's the reason why he put on three or four or five mile an hour. But I think it was just a perfect storm. He came back from South Africa. He was stronger. He was fitter. And he just turned into a man overnight. You know what I mean? When he came back. You can remember it, Keith, when he came back during that summer. And all we did was just try to make him a little bit more efficient. He, we trained every before every T20 game before he could get in. We basically did a skill set where he did his fours, bouncers, yorkers, wide yorkers, heavy lengths, and worked on a slow ball. So I think that just prepared him ready for it. And the way he, the way he bought into that technical change, it just comes back to he had a, he's had an open mindset and he wanted to get better. But the lad's going to be a superstar. He doesn't miss his length. He just like I say, he just needs to improve his skill a little bit. He listens. He learns. He works hard. Uh, he's got a massive heart and he wants to get better. So all of them attributes just came together at once. And I was luckily enough to to just to see it. You know what I mean? I've seen seen him go to the next level which like what i said everybody i just want everyone to get better yeah he's he's going to be something special i think he like the boxes that you like to tick he gets nip he gets bounce and he's got raw pace um it's really exciting to watch really exciting uh future. massive heart as well kid massive heart he yeah get... love it um so pop before we wrap up because we've been on for a decent amount of time now um, for our listeners, have you got, I don't want you to sum everything up, but is there one bit of advice that you'd love to share for people who just want to get better and improve? Listen, listen to people, work hard, have fun. But the main thing is ball, ball overs, learn to ball, learn to ball when you're tired, learn to ball when you're happy, learn to ball when you're sad, learn to ball in the wind. And enjoy it. You're playing cricket for, you know what I mean? You're getting, well, you lads, this is one of the things, you're getting paid to play cricket. Don't take it too seriously and enjoy it and have fun. I'll add to that is learn to bowl when you're sore. Too many yeah. soccer bowlers out there that, you know, it pisses me off. You've got to toughen up and stop trying to be looked after by physios and SNCs too much. Got to be an adult at some point. This is a good point, actually, because to be honest, aside from what, the first five overs of a day, you're going to be sore and, and maybe a bit tired and stuff. And 
So yeah, no, that's great, great advice. Chris, for the right, first I'm, I'm, season. That I'm that old, mate. Um, I remember when you're on the physios bench, the coach would come in and say, oh, you're injured, you're not playing. So you jump up and run off. You know what I mean? Now, I see batters getting rubs on the physio bench um, and there's nothing wrong with them. I was going to say, from the first ball I'm sore, just got to yeah. deal with it. <laughs> get on with it. Well, Take what you is, to Our lads can't get on the physio bench because Keith's getting rubbed all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned that, haven't you, Keith, to be fair? Yeah, I have, mate. Uh, well, uh, I think I think we're um, we're ready to wrap up, uh, Pop. But it's been a been a really wonderful chat. We really appreciate your time, and obviously from Keith and I, everything you've done for us uh, up to this point in our careers, and hopefully in our future podcasting career as well, with you uh, getting us loads of followers and, and stuff like that. Um, well, I just want to wish you lads too. It's good. I remember when the first time you got together, the nickname we called you Miami Vice, Crooked and, Crooked and Tubs. You know what I mean? So that was my. <laughs> Um, well, I love working with you boys. I'm glad you're doing this. I'm look. I'm glad it's. I hope it takes off. And anything I can do, I'll, I'll, I'll willing to help. Hopefully, we'll get you on another time, mate, um, in the near future, and we can talk some more uh, bowling from there. Okay. Thanks, lads. Right. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Take it easy. Thank you.